the incomparable. Number 458, May 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we are in the endgame now. This is episode one of a special two-episode series where we're going to be looking at Avengers Endgame. Spoilers for Avengers Endgame. Like, I'm just going to say it right now. If you haven't seen it, we've probably already been spoiled, quite frankly. But uh, we are going to spoil everything about it, and then uh, in the next few days, we'll get a, a separate panel, a completely other panel, hosted by Chip Sutterth, to talk about even more about Avengers Endgame. But for this one, I get to host, and I have a wonderful panel with me to talk about the culmination of a zillion Marvel movies. Uh, Erica Ensign is here. Hello. Hi, Jason. I can podcast all day. And actually, I will. <laughs> very, very nice. Very nice. James Thompson is here. Hi. Jason, I love you 3,000. Oh, that's Aww. very nice. Uh, Kelly Gamont is here. Hello. Hello. I'm here, and uh, I had a clever thing here to say, and I don't think I should repeat it, so I'm going to pass right Ke- now. Kelly Gamont just flew through a spaceship and destroyed it on her way here. That's how <laughs> powerful she is. Um, Tony Sindelar is here. Tony, I... Um, I missed Batman in this movie. I got to tell it's you. It's okay. If I tell you nerds what happens on this podcast, it won't happen. <laughs> All right. Interesting. <laughs> Confusing. And who's that sitting over there on a bench facing a lake? Uh, that's a, that person's not supposed to be here. He must be uh, making his uh, mothership debut. It is my uh, co-host on many other podcasts. Mike Hurley. Hello. Hi, Jason. I'll buy you all the cheeseburgers you want. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, so... Avengers Endgame Part 2 of the Infinity War <laughs> duology. Um, I was fortunate enough to actually watch the first one with Mike on his bachelor mm-hmm. party uh, trip. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then everybody was sad afterwards. So it's like, yeah, bachelor party. Oh, half the people. God, that was a sad movie. It was a sad, sad movie. <laughs> the further I've got away from that movie is how sad I have realized this movie movie is. And oh boy, does Endgame make you want to remember it yeah. within two seconds. So this is how the movie starts. And I think I think it's fitting. I read some interviews with uh, screenwriters where apparently there was a lot of debate about, about sort of where they wanted to... Um, break these two movies and they felt like the that immediate aftermath was the best point to do it and so Avengers Endgame begins with the after aftermath which is we're, we're not there's a time jump right there's a five years later but before we get there we get this immediate aftermath we see uh, Carol Danvers uh, Captain Marvel who uh, we just had her movie but uh, they knew that this was all going to line up she is out there in space and she saves uh, Tony Stark and Nebula when they're drifting around in their spaceship but they're very sad because they're about to die and also everybody is dead everybody else is sad too um and when they get back to Earth, everybody just like, again, everybody's really sad because every half the people just died. And this segment is also very interesting because they get information about where Thanos has been hiding since they've got Nebula there and they've got Carol there. And they in something that I did not expect to happen in this movie, they go to the planet where Thanos is, find out that he has destroyed the infinity stones so that they can never be used to reverse what he's done. And in a moment of rage, Thor uh, finally does go for the head and chops his head off. And, and basically after that, uh, they are left for five years to consider their loss. And the movie doesn't, uh, doesn't undo that by the end. So that's the, uh, that's how this movie gets started. Well, there was one part 
which was uh, Clint Hawkeye losing his family. Which oh, we should say that yes, the very yeah, first oh. thing before the credits, we see a yes. flashback essentially to before, just before the snap, where yeah. Clint is Clint, the Hawkeye family's having hot dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. There's going to be hot dogs. There's going to be lemonade, mm. and then they're all gone. Uh, and that's so. So that's really the reminder, right? Like, rem- hey, remember when everybody died? Yeah. If you forgot, there it is. It's it's super sad. And we didn't see Clint, right, in the first movie, essentially. So no. this is his kind of moment. He's obviously been off having hot dogs and uh, not uh, not fighting in the other movies. But now he, his family has, uh, has, has all disappeared. So this that set me up, Jason, for... Uh, this movie's three hours, right? Yep. Which everyone knows. I think I cried for about an hour total time. Um, and this was where it started. Okay. Like, <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. I, at some point, I have a list of all the things that made me cry, uh, but we can get to that later on. Okay, if we have time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> I feel like part of what they did here was um, by helping people like Mike and I um, unload some moisture very early mm. on and just sort of front-loading some of that dehydration, it made it a little easier to not have to wait an hour to start drinking beverages so that you don't have to leave in the middle for a bathroom break. I'm not sure that's how biology works. <laughs> you're, uh, I mean, you're, you're, the wiring of your tear ducts may not be up to code. So. That's, how, that's how biology works the same way this movie's time travel works. It's uh, fine. That, that's fair. I'm just also showing solidarity with Mike because my review of this at the end was, I'm a marshmallow and I just mm-hmm. was held over a campfire for three hours. Mm. I, yep. I'm a disaster right now. This is hard. Well, the way it's structured, right? And we'll, we'll, I'm going to walk us through the whole plot. But the way it's structured is uh, we've got a uh, very sad thing happens to Clint, followed by everybody is sad in the immediate aftermath, followed by five years later. And everybody is has been sad and continues to be sad. I, I think when the when the five years later, I don't I was in an audience that was very expressive, which was fun. When the five year later uh, text popped up on the screen, like there was a very loud kind of like gasp. Yeah. I've seen the film twice. I saw it in a, a very sort of um, expressive as you say audience uh in canada on on opening night so like uh almost midnight screening uh and there was like gasps and and you know whenever anything bad happened people would shout and stuff Mm -hmm. and then i saw it again a week later in glasgow and everybody was really quiet (laughs) (laughs) i think i think the the those like gasps and stuff they really only do come in the first 48 hours because they're the people that care so much yeah i I think you're right i think it's not just the geographical uh, distance between it but it was just interesting because there were like a couple of laughs and stuff in the glasgow one but yeah we, we were just kind of sat in silence yeah I, I was in a very small theater near where i live and it was like that you know and, and there are moments that we'll talk about later on that that cause big reactions but th- when the five-year thing came up you could hear like an audible yeah, gasp yeah from people because again like like with many things in this movie and like jason you already mentioned one like with uh thanos getting his head chopped off in the first 20 minutes unexpected like i did not think that that was the way it was going to play out and i was really surprised by it because i was kind of left with a thought of oh i don't know how this movie's gonna go i i kind of thought that this was going to involve time travel because 
there, there were sort of rumors going around uh, because they'd been filming and people had seen them in their like the original Avenger mm. outfits and stuff mm-hmm. like that during filming. So people were thinking, well, it's going to be flashbacks or whatever. But I read a review which said no spoilers, and the spoil and the review immediately said something like, well, this film uses a technique which other films have used, and it was like, okay, this is a bedtime drama. Why would you? Why would you read a review? Why'd you um, do that? I I. I don't know. <laughs> Would you have not seen it? Is it jet lag? Like, <laughs> is it just confusion in general? James, yeah. James, 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 explain yeah. yourself. What's wrong with you? Just one question. How dare you? <laughs> I was unspoiled. Um, mm-hmm. I really was unspoiled, which was great. I had no idea what was going on. I assumed, and, and it's planted in the first movie, right? One of the important things that happens in the first movie is that Doctor Strange says, uh, you know, he uses his time stone and says, I've looked at all the possible timelines and there's only one where we win. That gets called back at the end of this movie. It's very clear that that's what's going to happen in the second movie. It's, they're laying down the rules there. There is a way. He says, you know, th- it has to be this way. I have to give him the stone. All of this needs to happen. So, you know, it's all it's all set up. I assume assumed though that this would involve something like getting the time stone and doing some doctor strange kind of winding back the clock a little bit and that is not the direction they go at all which was was kind of a nice uh kind of a nice surprise we have a lot of time travel to talk about but i want to i want to talk about the sad part of the movie because i feel like it's important this first sad part there's a sad part yeah later which, which of the sad <laughs> yeah. part? The first sad yeah, part because i feel like the, the the movie has to do this like we've spent a year kind of mourning the end of that movie but the movie has to make that end feel uh substantial to make the sadness feel substantial because when they undo it and you know they're gonna undo it you need to feel like it's earned and so we get the immediate yes. aftermath with uh thor killing thanos which is very important because it's one of those moments where our hero has just goes ahead and murders the villain and not like he doesn't deserve it but he's basically a weak old man at that point he's lost all of his power and it is an un- utterly unfulfilling defeat of thanos because it's too late mm-hmm. he's already won and it, and it kind of yeah. ruins thor right it kind of like it is it is yeah. the last straw piled on all the terrible things that have happened to thor and leads him to where we see him next and then in the five years later part we get you know we get uh captain america leading a support group uh and and and, and you know everybody's really sad apparently the mets have been disbanded so it's not all bad um that's a mets <laughs> joke i don't know i just am putting it out there mm-hmm. uh, although mm-hmm. i did have a question about captain america as a choice to lead a support group which is that everybody else is like you know when my my loved one disappeared in a cloud of ashes five years ago and he's like oh yes that reminds me of when i was thawed out of an ice cube it's like i, I don't think that's that helpful because in that moment i'm like is he pre- like does nobody know who he is like what's the situation of this support group right because it's a very small group of people yeah and then he drops that that thing it's like i guess everybody knows this is captain america's support group yeah it's like oh you know you've heard about my story right i'm from the second world war he did seem to be trying to one-up them which i thought was a bit you know like well you think you've got problems mate yeah yeah i was in ice for 70 years try that one on it could be worse it seemed like a very captain america thing to do like he's still trying Trying to be the good guy and to be a uh, you know a hero even in small ways and help support mm-hmm. people and I mean that's yep. that's one of my favorite bits of his in the movie is the fact that that's what he's doing with his mm-hmm. life is just trying to help people on a, on a small scale mm-hmm. and you know sometimes relating your own experience and how you manage to get through that is helpful to other people I think that's what he was aiming for I was also wondering 
if uh if it's a connection to Sam because don't we in the movie that Sam first yeah. Sam Wilson first appears he does support for veterans so I felt like in his like Sam is gone this is the thing that Sam would do. Uh. Yeah, that I sounds. think that's a good. I think that's a good one. This yeah. is one of the through lines of this that I find fascinating is that these are the writers of all the Captain America movies and these two uh, Infinity War, you know, movies. And mm-hmm. so it, it feels to me. I mean, they not. We'll we'll get into it. They 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 tip their cap at practically every Marvel movie that has come mm-hmm. out. But you can feel the emotional through line. I think from the first Captain America movie through forward, including including Sam, including uh, uh, Stephen Peggy. There's a lot that you know. These writers know these characters, uh, and they obviously have an extra affection for them. I mean, speaking of that scene, it was Joe Russo who played the character who'd lost his husband right. and was dating again oh, really? in, that, in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's um, nice. And his daughter plays Hawkeye's daughter. So I don't know if it was just to get lots of residuals from a film that's going to make $10 billion, but um, yeah. I, I, and also, I thought that they kind of like hyped up the, oh, we're going to have uh, LGBT representation in this film. And it was like, Mm, yeah. a, a bit sort of uh, yeah. from played unnamed, by a unnamed character yes. unnamed character played yeah. by director yes unnamed character also not a superhero in a movie that has like 47 superheroes in it yeah so. it, it was yeah. kind of a, a bit overhyped for what it actually turned out to be and I can understand why people were extremely disappointed with it yeah it was a bit checkboxy was like the best I could do to describe it like yeah like we made a mention and it wasn't a big deal and you know yeah it, it wasn't a big deal. Like it was not somebody that we knew and we didn't have any investment in him or anything at that point. Like even when he's talking, we're still looking, we're still taking in the scene, right. Of what's going on. Like who is this and what's happening and who's he talking to and figuring out that like it's Captain America and this is his support group and this is what we're doing now. And this is what he does to sort of work through losing Sam, which is what I thought too. Um, you know, figuring all that out. My thought in that moment was, Good job, Steve. You've really progressed because you were born in 1920 or whatever. And like he's like he's with the modern times. He's got he's he's uh, he's cool about it. And I thought yeah, that's good. You know, you're you're uh, you've grown because you know you were born in 1920. Uh, people didn't talk about their men didn't talk about their husbands in 1935, right? It didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. I still think there were people that were born in 1920 who were totally fine with gay people. Maybe he was just one of them all along. Maybe, yeah. maybe, but still, like in public and all. Like again, he hadn't even you know seen Star Wars until a couple years before. <laughs> so he's 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 got a lot to catch up on in terms. He's of... He's got his ooh. list of a list of things. I had that man out of time feeling, reference. which is like this is a, this is a very modern thing. He's in a support group, <laughs> right? The sure. whole thing is very modern. And I was like, you know, Steve, you've adapted, right? Which is which mm-hmm. is kind of funny given what happens. But it's like no. Yeah. He's yeah. he's fully kind of adapted to the sure. to the present day in a way which I, I kind of like. Uh, he's also lost the beard. There's there's be- beards yes. move around a lot in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch the beard. there's a Watch sort them. of constant beard amount, yeah. and it just yeah. transfers. The, it's the yeah. Brotherhood Steve of the Traveling Beard. One. Yeah, it's conservation of, finds of beards. One. Yeah, so. I, I I did think with this like this guy who's now just starting dating again, having lost his husband at the end of the film. I mean, we'll get yeah, back yeah. to that. There's going to be some awkward conversations with the next support <laughs> yeah. group. Oh, God. So this is yeah. this is actually something that I wanted to mention. We I, and we might as well kind of grapple with it now because they do this five year time jump. They don't undo it, which is an interesting choice that the movie makes. It you get the uh, the way the movie makes it is they have Tony Stark who. Uh, 
who we are about to meet as the plot begins to unfold. We're going to re-meet Tony, and Tony and Pepper have a daughter. And Tony's condition on doing time travel shenanigans is, I don't want to undo the last five years, because although everybody else has been sad, I have you know gone off and had a life, and I yeah. have my daughter, and Things I don't want to undo my daughter. Yeah, which is an incredibly selfish thing to do, because he basically makes trillions of people have go through this major emotional trauma for one daughter which he could have kept anyway i see that point of view but i like that they included this because not everyone would have been affected in the same way by a tragedy like this and i think for it to be a case of just like everyone everyone is worse off yeah is not accurate right right? clint lost everything but tony actually ended up in a better place yeah i mean i i think that's true but you know if his condition was, you know, I just want to save my daughter, which is understandable, he could have just said, you know, make put everything back the way it was, but I've still got my daughter. And um, memories of how she came about. And all that, It's yeah, not just I mean, this random kid shows up on your doorstep. Get out of here, kid! <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just because in this case, yeah, this, you know, this guy's gone off dating and, you know, his husband is presumably just going to sort of appear, ba- reappear, reappear back into his life. That's and what it's I, like, I was going to say about the, 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 the messiness of that at the end, yes. and I wonder how they will pick that up. And uh, the we're going to find out at least a hint of that um, in Spider-Man Far From Home, which comes out this summer, because the implication there is that uh, Peter and his friend, at least, and some of their classmates are returned five years later as high school students. But um, some of their classmates are in college now because that's how it works. And and they're going to have to deal with that in a bunch of different ways. You can you can imagine all of the other examples, like what happens when the Mets return? <laughs> like, like what? The Mets are back. The Mets, the Mets got got returned five years ago's Mets are now back and it's just going to be a mess for all of society. Yeah, and I mean, some people would have died within that five years. Yes. So you got people coming back after the, you know, mm-hmm. the unsnapture and then, <laughs> you know, they discovered that their spouse has actually died in the meantime, which is... Yeah, or their parents mm-hmm. who are old and they yeah. died. And-, and there's all the people that died in the immediate fallout, right? Like we see explosions and plane yeah, crashes. There's, and people driving. there's people who are just dead, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got, yeah, I mean, there's so much, uh, a bunch of people have pointed out, like, uh, you you don't have enough food necessarily to feed the entire population when it reappears after five years. And so uh, what happens with that? The world has that? a lot of food. It's more about I, where, my we, feeling where is are we that, willing to put that My food. feeling is that the banner took care of all of this. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> you get a wish, make it a good wish. Yeah. My, my headcanon is that, like, this is, like, a devastating thing for, for the, the whole galaxy, but people on Earth, uh, all these people come back, and it's, like, an amazing thing and people band together and they like rebuild the world and everyone is happy or they just fight with each other over the remaining food all society collapses yeah Yeah, so did you all get a trailer for spider-man homecoming before this movie yeah. Yes. Well, why could they not just leave it? Like, just let's let's just like don't worry about it. Show me it afterwards if you must. <laughs> but like, Spider Man's supposed to be dead. Rewatching that trailer afterwards, it kind of like there's a different tone to it because he's like, you know, he's clearly. Oh, I'm going to go on sort of spring break holiday, whatever, to get over all the trauma of losing my mentor and on all that right. stuff. And and half of my friends are now five years older. And yeah, I was thinking that the original they don't Avengers, care about him anymore. they're yeah. now five years older than Peter Parker. He's yes. even more of a kid to them, yeah. which is just changes that dynamic even more. Um, so uh, so that's an interesting choice this movie's made. I also want to point out the true hero of Avengers Endgame, which is a single 
San Francisco rat <laughs> yep. who steps on a piece of equipment in the in the uh, ant van <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and springs Scott Lang from the quantum realm. Uh, leading to uh, him having a creepy scene in San Francisco where he's wondering what's going on, and we and there was a, a memorial uh, oh, down yeah. at Chrissy Field overlooking yeah. the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, and we we discover that uh, he has only been gone for five hours and doesn't understand why everything is like this, and his daughter is much larger than she used to be. Something very weird has happened, and that is how the plot of. Uh, of Endgame actually starts. So let's hear it for the rad. I love that part so much because I, I was really interested to see, okay, where are they going to go with this? How are they going to kick it off? So <clears throat> as soon as I saw the rat in the van, I was like, I know it's I know it's about to happen. This is great. But then I didn't know what Scott Lang was going to do. And I thought it was a really interesting choice to have him wander the streets of san francisco and sort of show us kind of what the fallout looks like it you know they it may have been five years but they haven't had the uh the people power to really completely clean everything up finally real estate is affordable in san francisco (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i I like it also because i mean the the thing we learn in this is basically the people that have survived have kind of moved on like they've figured out what their lives look like and Scott Lang shows up, and Scott Lang has not moved on, and he is like, "No, look, and quantum stuff, we can totally do this." And people are like, "No, we've like that was probably the, the first six months or two years or maybe four years of this. Like, we've all moved on. Please let us move on." Okay, okay, maybe the quantum stuff is real, <laughs> um, but yeah. So, it, like, they needed somebody who had not moved on, but also was not like a delusional maniac to show up and be like, "We need to do." He's this. He's the comic relief in really yeah. his films. So. We've it's just hard had, to tell Paul Rudd to go away. It's just, yeah, but know. we've had like 20 minutes of, you know, sort of post-apocalyptic disaster and depression and stuff. And then the sort of the funny guy shows up. Yeah, but and um, yet he has the one who has the information that will save the day. And I think the five years thing, one, one of the important things about doing the time jump is it does create that tension, not just with Tony, but with everybody. I mean, there are people who are desperate to undo everything that has been done, right? And it turns out that that's not the trade they get to make. The trade they get to make is to bring the people back, not to undo the last five years. And Tony has it good and Clint has it bad and a bunch of people are in the middle. And then Scott didn't miss the last five years, or or you could argue he's the first representative of the people who are going to be returning, where he's just mm. out of time. And and I think that that is a really interesting tension. I was reminded of, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like a Stargate episode where they are in an alternate timeline and all the characters react as you would if somebody came up to you and said this history shouldn't have happened we need to do something different which is like what are you talking about this is my life i'm not going to change my life uh we're going to keep it the way it is throw them in throw them in jail or something like that and that's what (laughs) scott sort of has to deal with except for some people it's so bad that it's it's almost like a deal with the devil kind of thing where for Mm -hmm. some of them they're like yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we really should do time travel stuff because it is an opportunity to bring everyone back. I just I think it's fascinating that the movie isn't just immediately like, yeah, let's undo everything. And the movie lets some of the characters be like, well, wait a second. I don't know if this is such a great idea. Let's think about it. And I like that. And that Scott has to be the one who makes it happen. He's right. It's like your comic relief guy. You don't get to bring yeah. us the solution. <laughs> I feel like, you know, you say that there's a bunch of people in the middle, like the middle. There's there's a range of things to the middle, which I appreciate right like i i think i think cap is 
he's doing okay. He's coping. He's getting by. Uh, Hulk is seems to be doing fine. Yep, he's got he's extra extra large sweaters. And yeah, he's he has. Right. I the the his wardrobe changes in this movie are. Uh, I'm impressed with the variety he had available to him. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he seems to have been just like he needed a couple years to work on himself, and that worked out great for him. Uh, yeah, and, and Natasha's then, just having peanut butter sandwiches and crying. She's not doing well. Yeah, <laughs> she is the like. Yeah. She is still. I have to. You know, I have to work the mission and i've got uh sad rocket and uh it's a it's a nice moment though because it does imply without without any details that they are still avengers yes and they're holding the world together through this crisis and she's got the you know tell me what's going on and with you know with and Rhodey is investigating uh horrible murders that are perpetrated by clint it turns out but i like i like that that without a lot of detail like they're still doing their jobs and she is just grinding trying to keep it together Mm -hmm. even though she is absolutely miserable yeah for her there is not another thing to do Right. But but I mean, Steve comes in and basically says, do you think we need to be doing any of this? You know, maybe you could just go home yeah. kind of thing. And, he yeah, doesn't and have and she's like, well, you know, this is home. <laughs> Rocket, who, you know, again, t- Rocket's a talking raccoon. Um, <laughs> but like his personality in the first part of this movie is like, you know, like literally you could go anywhere. You but your family is gone. And so you're hanging around Earth, like flying around doing right. stuff. Uh you know, you're a sad talking raccoon. So, so should, should we talk about raccoon. depressed Thor? Yes. Well, we we do we do have to uh, now that we can move on. So what happens is we get Banner is now Professor Hulk. Basically, he has in the intervening five years he has uh, integrated his two parts of himself. With the, when the last time we saw the Hulk, the Hulk wouldn't come back out. The Hulk wasn't interested in helping Banner. They seem to have worked through their feelings and integrated into a whole. Thor, however, is off in New Asgard, where we get to see that like Valkyrie. Is the beautiful all, British coastal town of the, New Asgard. Yeah, it's, it was filmed in Scotland. I looked it up, and if you look in that scene, there's like hidden little Scottish things throughout it. There's mm-hmm. a bottle of Iron Brew on the window. There's allegedly a deep fried Mars bar sitting next to it. <laughs> all of Norway disappeared in the snapshore, and so it was taken over by Scotland. That's, mm-hmm. that's my headcanon. I'm just going to throw that right He's there. He's drinking Scottish beer as well. I mean, I think it's supposed to be a Norwegian village, but I just liked all the little Scottish things hidden yeah, away. Yeah, I think it's the scene. same Norwegian village where they where the Cosmic Cube was uh, yes, was left, yeah, and all um, that. It's like there's only one village in Norway, apparently, and it's the, it's, it's like Tonsberg, yeah. but I've probably yeah. got the pronunciation so, wrong. Great to see Tessa Thompson again. Uh, great to see the characters from Thor Ragnarok again, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And it turns out Thor yeah. is Thor. So so here's the uh, the Thor stuff is actually kind of controversial. And I, I'm interested in in getting at least touching on what they do with Thor. I like a lot of it in principle because the idea here is Thor has lost his world, his parents, his brother. Um, he failed at the critical moment to defeat the bad guy. And then when he does get the bad guy later and kills him, it's completely um, wasteful because he's a a a weak (laughs) destroyed person who is no longer a threat so thor is a complete mess and i like that i like that thor is depressed and a mess and is at rock bottom and i actually kind of like his demeanor chris hemsworth's demeanor throughout as a uh as you know as the dude from the big lebowski basically Mm -hmm. and like he stays that way the whole movie uh more or less he gets a little bit better as it goes 
I, I like all of that about it. I think his acting, I mean, he's, I think, probably my favorite actor in the whole thing at this point, just because of he does comic acting very well. His, his range as um, that character is wild. Like, yeah. it, it, it is surprising to me the where he is able to take a Norse god, right? Like, it feels like that should be a pretty one-sided mm-hmm. character, but mm-hmm. he has always done a very good job of the balance when these movies are right you know he can he can really find that balance as good as anyone um if not better the thing about it like you guys were saying i don't think they could have pulled off ragnarok with any other character like yeah, that fundamental yeah, sure. shift in tone yeah. and approach yeah. and attitude yeah. and everything that that was in that movie i don't think it would have worked with any of the other characters and apparently these movies were being developed in parallel it's weird because we're seeing them so far after each other but Mm -hmm. that was a back and forth between the guys who were writing this movie and taika watiti who was doing ragnarok where they were kind of like feeding so it it was kind of holistically developed that that this was the direction that thor was going to go and how how the tone was going to be with thor which is interesting The, the part that people don't like and i i actually agree is you know the the fat suit like fat suits in general, if if you're thinking of putting your character in a fat suit, maybe think again. But the, the fact that then the movie makes a bunch of fat jokes, uh, that's that's where for me it crossed a line where it's like you didn't need to do that. I, I would have accepted softer Thor, like Dad Bod Thor, um, but uh, like wacky fat suit and then there's like eat a salad kind of jokes and all of that. That part disappointed me because I actually like what they do with Thor's character. Um, I just didn't like that, that he also it gets to be the subject of a bunch of fat jokes. It was also the camera work because the camera yes. every Lingers. time would, would just linger on that and pan across it. And then it would yeah. get a laugh from the audience. Yeah. Which... Or there'd be a close up on somebody handing something to someone else with Thor's tummy in the background. Yeah. And yeah, the, the crowd would laugh again. Yeah. You know, I could see what they were going for with the depression and, the, you know, letting himself mm-hmm. go, which is an interesting thing. Uh, I think that there's something interesting and, and I, I could, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't, honestly, I didn't have that reaction. Um, I didn't have that reaction you know, maybe, first maybe time. I'm, I'm just not a sense, I'm like, it's something maybe I'm not sensitive enough to or like considerate enough of. But so like, I found it funny as it was intended to be, right? Um, but I, I do like the idea of one of the superheroes looking that way, because that is an interesting thing of like, well, they they can fall apart. Like, they can not be these incredibly chiseled things. He's not going to work out anymore, right? He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not going to yes. stay in fighting shape. That part of it I get. It's just the, the lingering kind of like, it's very easy to make a bunch of like, look at that gut kind of jokes. But, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what I'm trying to pick apart too, is that I like the, storyline like the character arc of thor here i just don't like the fact that they're like what if we give him a big belly and we make a lot of jokes about him eating salad and it's like yeah that's too much is a depressed superhero an interesting thing or comedic gold um you know right but also he didn't like snap it away or anything no. either. I, I he didn't just that. like you know hit himself in the stomach with the hammer no. and now like <laughs> all of a sudden he's awesome again or whatever he, he did give himself some nice beard plaits which mm-hmm. you know that was about yeah. it yeah like that was all he could really do with like what he had and i so like for me it wasn't great but at the same time they didn't invalidate everything by having him just be able to shrug it off and then instantly mm-hmm. become thor like again i agree yeah. i kept worrying about them doing that and i yeah i wouldn't even say snap his fingers and be or snap his hammer or whatever and become awesome again because i think he's awesome the way he is and he recognizes that which for me is the only good part of this is that thor is never 
ever shown to feel any kind of shame for his body. Nope. It, clearly, the movie does. Like James said, the movie is like it, it thinks this is this is a funny thing. You shouldn't you shouldn't be fat like that. This is a joke. But Thor's fine with it, and he's still like that at the end of the movie. And I like I don't want the fat suit anymore, but I would I would still like to see round Thor, round Thor. like just. I liked it when he got his hammer back and, you know, he, he, he realized that he was worthy and things like that. And, and that kind of character beats were interesting to me. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was the, 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 I, 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 like Mike, when I first watched it, you know, I just thought, oh, this is funny. Mm-hmm. And then I had like a week. And then there was the sort of, there were people talking about it on the internet and in our Slack and things. And then when I watched it the second time with that in my mind, and I watched the, how the camera was going, I was like, oh, actually, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm changing my mind on this. It's, and, and, and like, I don't think, and this is what the internet is actually very bad about, is nuance, which is like, I think the character development of Thor is very interesting. I think it's mm-hmm. unfortunate that they decided to also use it for fat jokes because yes. I think that was a yeah, I think that agreed. was a mistake and I think it lessens what they what they did there because I think the progression, the idea that he's decided not to be a hero anymore, he's super depressed, everything is bad, and then he has to turn himself around, he has to turn his, his himself around. He does not magically make himself Thor again. I'll also point out like, you know, Odin was not uh, a super muscly skinny guy there are lots of like yeah. in norse mythology there are a lot of like important figures who are like big fat guys who are strong and big and they don't yeah, care there, there and like are characters in the like it, one of the guys in like his friends in the first movie was like a much bigger guy yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the idea that he's not thor anymore and he's going to make himself thor again that's that's the idea that i don't like i think he's still thor he's just absolutely he's yeah mm-hmm. chris hemsworth is so he is so good he is he is a uh he, he his comic nope, timing who My would God. have thought who would have thought i think when they cast him as uh, super pretty thor maybe they knew but like even in that first thor movie which i'm we did an episode about it last summer uh i'm i'm kind of okay with it i don't love it but the comedy stuff is the best and that is yeah. down to yeah. chris yeah. hemsworth so all right bring uh, me another anybody want to uh, talk about uh hawkeye turning into a ninja murder man or did you all go to the bathroom when we see him killing people in tokyo <laughs> so i mean the, the thing with that is like you know there's the sort of ronin character from the comics or whatever but there was also a bit of me that had that faint uncomfortableness of him oh i'm just gonna go to you know a foreign country and murder lots of people Many foreign countries, it seems I like. Think that was the point, though, right? Like, they, they had set that up, like, he is on, out of control and this is not good, right? Like, that's what they set up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Brody sets that up with Natasha yeah. earlier on in yeah, the movie. Yeah. Um, but he gets forgiven really quickly. Yeah. Well, I think at a certain point, they need everyone, right? And it's like, well, you, you kind of just got to get on with it. Was he forgiven or did they just sort of not decide not to talk about it you know like we understand you're having a hard time but we have other stuff to deal with now he's killing bad people like he's doing it's i feel like yes he is he's super murdery but it's also kind of like he's just broken the hero code because it's not like these people aren't very bad people so it's sort of like in this gray area and there is very much like we just need you and you need to be redeemed and we're gonna skim over it i did appreciate his line in tokyo too when you know he's they're asking why are you doing this It's it's because they're bad people and half the world is gone but it's not the bad half of the world it's just Mm -hmm. random half and Mm -hmm. he's really really you know so i mean at least it gives him 
a little bit of character development to be mad that his family is gone and these bad people aren't. But uh, yeah, had I didn't need to take a bathroom break, I'm happy to say. But if I had, <laughs> I probably would have done it at that scene. You know, Thor kills one person and falls into a deep depression and he seemingly kills hundreds of people mm-hmm. and you know uh he cool. seems to be enjoying it i think the motivation was different though right like yeah thor, thor was sad because he thought oh well as soon as i see thanos i am gonna fix this and then when he did see thanos he killed thanos and he could do nothing but he did also lose half of his people you mm-hmm. know, that he had just saved so i think you know they were his family too, in a but sense. For, like, for Clint, though, that is his his coping mechanism is revenge. But he can't get revenge on who he wants to get revenge on, so he just unleashes it on the world. Which is also why he doesn't he can't stop doing it, right? Like they've spoken about, like he just keeps going around. They detail a bunch of different things because nothing's going to make him feel better, so he just keeps going. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see people c- commenting on his um, haircut and stuff, and how it was very sort you look of good. Yeah, you look good. Well, yeah, divorced dad was the comment I'd heard. Scholars will debate. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you looked great. <laughs> so, so is that what you're going to go for next, mm, Mike? I might have to. We have very different mm-hmm. taste, I think. I also like that he is on a uh, a revenge kick where he is traveling the world, murdering people, but also has time to get some tattoos. So, yeah. Again, tattoos, the haircut, you look great. I actually (laughs) really appreciated the amount of time that Hawkeye got in this movie because I feel like he has always been the butt of the joke, right? Like all the way back to the original Avengers movie, he's always kind of been like the Hawkeye character has been like, oh, he's got no real powers. He just got a bow and arrow, you know, and I feel, and then as you say, it's like completely left out of the last one. Um, and I, I really appreciated just how important he was to this movie. Yeah, um, I mean, it opened with him. So, you know, yep. that was clearly the, the anchor of it all, really. Well, and this movie goes to all the original Avengers. That's the point is that they're all left standing. So they get this sort of last, last chance to be a hero. All right, back to Endgame in a minute. But first, let me take a break to tell you about our sponsor for this episode. It's Linode. Linode lets you deploy and manage an SSD server in their cloud. You can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro resources and node locations. I use Linode. I am one of a hundred, hundreds of thousands of customers of theirs. Very happy. I run it for uh, my servers for the incomparable in six colors. Um, and Linode is uh, looking after all those customers with a great 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any trouble, and I very rarely do, but occasionally it has happened, they've been incredibly responsive. You can drop them an email give them a call, chat over IRC and the Linode community. Basically, whatever works for you, they will uh, be there to support you. They've got great guides and support documentation as well if you want to look something up. They've got a brand new management panel. You can go to cloud.linode.com and check it out. It is super awesome. Uh, it's a single-page application. It's built using React.js. It's backed up by their public API, and it's even open source. And they've even got two-factor authentication, which I've turned on, to make sure that your data is safe and secure and that nobody's going to get to your server. Um, Linode has pricing options to suit anyone out there. The prices are amazing. Plans start at 1 gig of RAM for $5 a month. High memory plans start with 16 gigs of RAM. And they've got a special offer. As a listener of The Incomparable, you can go to linode.com slash Snell and use the promo code Snell2019, my last name in the year. You'll get $20 toward any Linode plan. Now, do the math on that one gig plan i mentioned 
That's four free months of a Linode server. Four free months. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash Snell. L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash Snell. Promo code Snell2019. To learn more, sign up and make the most of that $20 credit. Thank you to Linode for supporting the incomparable. Time to talk about time travel shenanigans. So, Tony, as we mentioned, uh, Tony and Pepper Hi. have a kid. Oh. Not Tony Tony uh, Stark, not Tony Sindelar. It's slightly different people. Um, and and he, he's so he's got a daughter. Uh, Scott comes back with the information that he spent five hours in the quantum realm and five years past, and that surely there's something that they could use this for in terms of time travel. And they try to figure it out. And uh, and Bruce has got some ideas, and they they make scott into an old man and a baby and other things for a little while and tony shows up and says did you turn him into a baby or whatever I'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not how it works because tony has figured it out and has decided that they're going to do it and that leads us into the uh wacky time travel shenanigans portion of the movie where our characters go back to other movies and other scenes in the marvel cinematic universe before we get to the the wacky shenanigans though i just want to call out one of my favorite mo- moments in the movie and that is when tony has at first been resistant to this in part because he's he's got a kid and and in part because he's not certain that he can even do it that it's even possible but of course he's tony stark he's the genius you know he, he's driven he he wants to figure things out so he works on it and that moment where he's sort of running the the glowing simulation right, over the table right. and not expecting not expecting it to work it's, I, it, it's the impl- implication is he's done this a bunch of times and it's it's never come through and then you know he turns and he sees it and it's it, it's worked. And the way that he just like the look on Robert Downey Jr.'s face and the way that he sits down into the chair, just like all of the air has been expelled from his body and he just has to land somewhere was just a masterful piece of acting. And that moment really, really hit me, which I think was was helpful then because it's after that that we go into the wacky hijinks. So I feel like that to me was the moment that capped off the 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 emotional five years later part of it and i liked his reaction to that was basically to go to pepper and say what do i do you know Mm -hmm. i can dump this in the middle of the ocean you know i can stop right now um and you know she says something along the lines of would you sleep at night if you if you didn't follow through with this um yeah so then he jumps in his fancy car bit of a conversation for them to have given what this decision leads to Right. Mm -hmm. Which is that this is the conversation where she affirms his need to save half the world, which is a a thing a hero does. And that's important to remember because he dies at the end. So (laughs) I just want to say as well, because we we didn't talk about it, but I really enjoyed the like Downey Jr.'s performance in the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. He comes off the ship and he's like all frail and is just so mad and upset about everything like I, I also really enjoyed that i thought that was really good yeah i think his i mean th- this is a larger piece and i think the other panel is talking a little bit more about kind of mcu as a whole and how this kind of caps it up but if you look at at what Downey has done like he starts out as i mean in the first iron man he is a super arrogant guy who is kind of laid low right when he's taken captive but he you know he is still this kind of arrogant uh, genius. And when you get to Iron Man 3, he is uh, in the aftermath of the Avengers movie and he is a complete disaster. And we see him, you know, Age of Ultron is about him trying to compensate for his terror that people are going to get, that everybody's going to die, which comes up in this movie where he's like, see, I told you, I had a vision that everybody was going to die and everybody died and it's very bad. And like Downey has, it it, it is fascinating to be, be able to watch this act 
actor who's a very good actor, perfectly cast as a character, able to take that character on a journey in terms of how he views the world over the course of, I don't know how many movies he's been in in the MCU, like eight or nine movies. That It's a, a rare thing. Have we ever had the ability to watch somebody do that with a character in the movies? I don't, I don't think so. So Well, and he's sort of why all of this works. And he is our, I mean, Captain America is, is secondarily the through line character here, but Tony Stark is the through line character for the audience for this whole set of movies. And so in, it's only right that we, we see him have the revelation, you know, go to the Avengers and say, you're doing it wrong. And then, and then have his storyline where he ends up having his time travel shenanigans. And in the end, making the sacrifice that's necessary so that more people don't die. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, he's I mean, he's the main character, right? If there is one, there's a million characters and many of them are very important. But but Tony Stark has been the main character, quote unquote, of the Marvel Universe for 20 plus films. And now this is it. Let's talk about time travel shenanigans. Can we do that? Yeah. So I liked the fact that they list off, you know, like Back to the Future, Star Trek, <laughs> Bill yes. and Ted, Brilliant. all, all yes. of these things. And they don't mention Doctor Who, which literally had an episode called Time Heist, yes. and Karen Gillan <laughs> starred in Doctor Who. Yes, right, um, but that's why yes. you can't mention it because then you end yeah. up in this weird paradox, yeah. right? Does you can't Doctor talk Who about the exist in the Marvel Universe? universe. That's, <laughs> guess not. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. but. Um, I did like, you know, they even got down to like hot tub time machine in their yes. list of movies <laughs> yep. that. Which, confusingly, uh, Bucky is in. So. Yes. <laughs> no! <laughs> so, um, I, I, what, what they chose to do here is the, a multiverse, a multi world approach to time travel, which I think, I mean, you can have time travel can be whatever you want because it doesn't exist. So you can just make up whatever you rules. But what I like about this is that they state their rules, I think very clearly. And I think they in fact do it twice. And I've seen people who are like, I don't really understand what's going on with the time travel. I'm like, I don't know what more they could have done. They literally have a scene where they, they discuss the rules of time travel in detail. And what they, the, the rules are is you can't, change the present by changing the past the idea there is you go back in time and make a change and you can come back to your timeline but that timeline is going to go off on its own with the changes that you made but you're not going to be able to change the, the the present which means the five years later can't be undone using at least this method of time travel and they lay that out in the premise and that means that they can i mean what it means is that you can go back in time and just like steal stuff and bring it back to the present and you you've messed up that timeline but who cares? Uh, you've got your <laughs> timeline. And that is what they proceed to do is mess up all sorts of portions of history, not affecting what, you know, uh, what the main timeline is, but instead just kind of rifling through it for parts or in this case for Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's confusing to some uh, viewers because they don't stick to the rules of other things. And and I think... Which is why you know, they mentioned Back to the Future, right? Because they're like, it's yeah. not like that. It's, can, can you hang a lantern on yeah. a time machine? It's for, like... for, more, for more casual consumers of science fiction type media, you probably leverage a lot that it's like, oh, the rules of other time travel movies you've seen are in play here. So, you know, we can remind you of those, but we don't have to go too deep into explaining them. This is challenging in that this is saying like, no, there's new rules. Um, I think they make sense for the most part, but I, I get why people would be confused. But New I mean, I, I watch Doctor Who. I don't need my time travel to make sense or be internally consistent so long mm. as it feels good. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Also, they do hang a lantern on the time machine. It's a built into the top of the TARDIS. So yeah, yeah lantern is always... <laughs> Always hung there. But- Thank you, Jason. I was thinking that too. <laughs> I did enjoy the the Bill and Ted name drop. 
Yep. Because, yes, I've always been a sucker for a phone booth time travel machine. And so that made me very happy. Uh, I, I also liked that this was, to me, a nifty device to go back and revisit. Mm-hmm. All, like yeah. a goodly portion of our previous shenanigans with all these yeah. characters mm-hmm. and and getting those brief moments a we don't have to explain them because if you only even if you only watch the avengers movies you get to see all this stuff and um the a, a little bit of the service to other stuff like cap in the elevator looks over and goes hail hydra which right. was yeah, yeah we'll, wa- we'll walk through i want to walk through them one by one but yeah that was the biggest laugh i got in the movie yeah but i also liked seeing those because it sort of reminded me of how far everybody's come and all of the stuff that had happened to each of these characters as we sort of went back to where they each visit themselves in these different in these different times also it's a great excuse to split the party uh-huh. and apparently <laughs> yeah. uh thor 2 is more important to some people than we know uh-huh. <laughs> also it's a way to celebrate right this is a this part of the movie is a celebration of this segment of movies right it is a celebration of you you're watching an avengers movie you've seen most or all of these movies we're going to go back through them now uh before we say goodbye and so the plot i i think it's kind of a beautiful thing that it's not certainly not the first time um, a movie Movie has done this or a tv show but i i think it's a beautiful thing and very well executed that they go back to other movies i like that they put the year up for everything because that kind of gave it a, a place in time if you see what i mean with when you were thinking about the movies it's like oh yeah i did see the avengers back in whenever it was and other than, like that. other than the one that, that was like space 2014 and i'm like space doesn't have those years <laughs> come <laughs> on what <laughs> Come on. Morag does not count on uh, 2015. That's not how they do it there. All right. Let's take them in turn. Uh, Bruce, Steve, Tony, and Scott go to 2012 in New York City. Um, they, they split up. So the party is split further. Banner goes to Bleecker Street, which is where Dr. Strange lives. On his way, he has to pretend to be the Hulk of the time. And yes. him just kind of going, rawr, and half-heartedly <laughs> punching. <laughs> So good. He he tears his shirt off and says something like, I think it's gratuitous or something. I think it's gratuitous, but all right. But it's very substandard uh, Hulk impression. But he does make his way to Greenwich Village Mm -hmm. where Doctor Strange lives. But uh, instead, the ancient one from Doctor Strange is there, Tilda Swinton, which is kind of fun because I didn't anticipate ever seeing that character again. And the best part about, because I like Doctor Strange, I think it's a really good movie. And it's strange and weird and uh, all the, you like the time travel visual or the visuals and the time travel and the swirling things. And it's great. I like it a lot. Uh, Tilda Swinton adds a little touch of the weirdness of Dr. Strange to this, where he's like, Hey, uh, where's Dr. Strange? And her response is, Oh, he won't be here for four more years. That's like, because she knows of course she knows everything the plot of dr strange is she knows everything that's going to happen up to the moment of her death she has watched most of dr strange so she's seen that (laughs) you know all but the last part of that movie so she knows uh what's going on here Uh, and they have a conversation at which point she throws him out of the hulk body and has him be a little astral banner having a conversation so we can see some mark ruffalo without the the hulk uh model the cgi model that's being used and they had that conversation there so that that is how do i talk the ancient one into giving me the time stone and in the end what uh what convinces her to do it is that this is dr strange's plan and that this is you know he he gave the time stone to thanos because he knows that that was the only way to get what they to solve the problem and that seems to convince her so i i was i was happy to see her again and she knows that that he's supposed to he's 
supposed to be the he's meant to be the best of us is what she says yeah. and and that uh, and that, yeah so if this was his his way of doing it I'm just going to trust future him because he's Real but smart. you got to bring it back or everything goes bad. So bring it back. Yes. Return yeah, Bring stones. it back to the exact same moment, which is going to be tricky for about half of the stones. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah you just, we, that happens off screen. I've got, a, I've got some theories about that that we'll get to at the end. Of, uh, I have a whole little side story. Uh, um, <laughs> so so uh, I, I like I my Doctor... As somebody who likes Doctor Strange, I like the Doctor Strange fan service that happened there. Um, everybody else goes to the end of the Avengers movie. If you remember that, that billion dollar uh, movie, the Avengers. And uh, it's <laughs> af- uh, when everybody's congratulating themselves about winning, but before they go out for shawarma and they decide to use this moment to steal the staff and that's got a, a, a gem in it and uh, also to get the Tesseract. And uh, we spend some time where they obviously have they've made you know new scenes where they're dressed up like their old versions of their characters. So we get to see sort of like what happened in in between scenes in the Avengers as they're cleaning up the mess. Um, and there's some great stuff in here, including Steve Rogers fights himself. Uh, the Hulk is told to take the stairs, which leads to a disastrous mistake. He's so mad, <laughs> he just hates the stairs. He's so mad Stupid about it. He's stairs. the hallway. Uh, great. <laughs> Mad too. It probably like physically wasn't comfortable. I mean, he's significantly more than staircase. That was a very articulate Hulk for that yeah. era of Hulk, right? Like, I mm-hmm. feel like he he had more words than I remembered him. Well, I mean, he then. does the beats up Loki and says "tiny god," right? So it's yeah. it's on that level where he's like stupid stairs, hate stairs. Like that's yeah. that's okay. yeah. that feels like the Hulk to me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And we get the elevator stuff, which Kelly mentioned, which is People love elevators. I laughed out loud. Because they do a scan where they're getting in the elevator and it's like they look and like, oh, yeah, they're going down the elevator. And I'm like, oh, boy, guys in elevators. That's a that's a, I, and I thought that was the reference. I was like, oh, it's funny. And then Steve gets into the elevator. I'm like, oh, my God. And I just started laughing. I, I think I was the only person in the theater laughing. But like for me, it was like, I see what you did here. You are literally replaying that amazing scene from Winter Soldier. And uh, and and they do replay it up to the point where he whispers Hail Hydra. Mm-hmm. And they just give him the stuff then, because he knows that they're Hydra, and uh, it's they're surprised that Steve Rogers would say that. But they're like, "All right, <laughs> that's the password. You got us. Here it is." And I like the cut to just him walking out of the elevator mm-hmm. with a smile. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so good, so good. And I love that winter. I love the Winter Soldier as a movie, and that elevator scene is the best. And then for them to just like just a direct callback that's the kind of thing where you're, you're paying off so many different things from so many different movies and none of it to me felt contrived really like that was the thing i liked about it was like each of those moments those characters had in whatever in in whatever way they were interacting with other people or whatever like it all felt legit and it didn't feel like a cheap way to go back to any of this so i really liked how well done all of all of the the little visits to the past were we should probably mention this is an important part in the movie where uh scott lang and tony discuss uh captain america's butt so that's, yeah, that's, that's true important <sighs> yes so, just making America's sure that's in there ass. for the record <laughs> well so noted acknowledged yes that's right <laughs> acknowledge and enjoy uh, I, I did like also the the when one of the caps says i could do this all day and our yeah. present one goes yeah um, i know <laughs> got it that was really good that was a good fight yeah it was a good fight yeah steve versus steve it was it was good and then he ends up tapping him on the chest with the with the thing like because uh, it's the avengers and you could do that um but loki uh of this timeline escapes with the cosmic cube uh, because the Hulk barrels out of the bottom of the stairs. This is stupid. Sure, stairs. Sh- surely this movie will address that. 
Well, mm. so the, there was a comment uh, from the directors and they said, uh, Loki could absolutely still be alive in an alternative timeline. Yeah. That's that's basically that's basically it is, is they have a Loki with a cosmic cube who's alive in a different timeline. And if they want to pick up that thread later, they they can. Yeah. Left left as an exercise for a future director. I, I'm assuming it's the TV series. Yeah. Because there's the Loki yeah. TV series. decided that they needed him alive again for a TV show that they mm-hmm. just find a way to bring him back to life again. <laughs> it just, it's interesting that it's like future TV, because there are all these TV shows coming to Disney Plus and it'll be like, these take place in alternate timelines. And it's like, well, okay, sure. that's kind of Maybe cool. they don't. Maybe, I mean, at least some, there's, there's the what if one or something, which is like, yeah, like if when if peggy becomes captain america and there's a few other things uh but you know maybe the maybe he gets back to our current timeline so at some point in the future they can just have him pop up again my my problem with it and i'm okay i want to erase the word problem and just put it in i tilt my head at the time travel a tiny teeny little bit because honestly i just liked it and it was fine but the fact that like they go back and they do all of these all of these things happen when they're back in new york including letting loki go so the idea that they could somehow get back to the you know the five years later of their own timeline when they've already made so many changes that's the that's the part of the uh, the equation that doesn't quite fit for me because yeah you've already made those changes so I, when you go my forward under, in theory, that's how, should, what i think they should... explain at the top is that is that they can return to where they to where they left from but it won't have changed any because they will be they're just messing up a new timeline and then they return to their original uh, uh, so the, every, every time okay. they make a change it creates a separate timeline but and then they aren't they, yeah. attached to right, that time. Yeah. Right. They mess okay. up other people's universes and then leave is what happens. So they can nick stuff like Thor's hammer or baseball Got gloves okay. or whatever. So they're like anchored to their own timeline. Yeah. Sort of. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the little timeline GPS thing yes. that they've got. I think yeah. you know, if they had used the word anchored to your own timeline, that probably would have helped people yep, a lot. Probably so. so. I yeah. feel like that was a great explanation they you offered called me. that's not in the text of the movie. <laughs> uh, hire Eric Ensign for all of your time travel needs. <laughs> Stop. You know. I I approve this. So uh, because Loki uh, of an alternate timeline has escaped, um, they have to find another place with a cosmic cube and they have enough PIM particles to do uh, to do one more jump to go home. But they have a very clever idea, which is that they can go to S.H.I.E.L.D. in 1970, where there will be PIM particles uh, from Hank Pym. And there will also be the uh, the cosmic cube, the Tesseract, in storage. And so they go to 1970, which gives Steve an opportunity to see Peggy Carter. It gives Tony the opportunity to meet his dad. And then, yes, they also steal the uh, tesseract and some uh, some vials of pim particles so they can do more da- jumping around that's also the moment where we all get to see stan lee too right yes. stan lee has a oh, cameo right. as a driver who says make love, love not war. war he's a long-haired mm-hmm. driver who's yelling at the soldiers yeah that- is this the last one it's gonna yeah. be the last one right yeah i think so all right any other thoughts about like uh, about what's going on in 1970 i mean obviously the big the big moment that happens here steve gets to look at Peggy in her office, but Tony meets his father and gets to have that awkward time travel conversation that you have where his dad's going <laughs> to, they're about to have a baby and they have a whole conversation as kind of adult men about what their place is in the world and all of that. And that this is, this is part of the, you know, kind of like final, uh, bits of Tony and his character before the end. Yeah, I, I think there was a, a number of moments in the film. This was one of them where he had this sort of 
reconciliation type thing with his dad and then later on with like steve with the hammer and things every time i saw one of those when i was going through the film i was thinking you're not going to make it to the end Mm. credits rocket and thor go to my favorite movie thor the dark world (laughs) (laughs) i I did i had some questions about some of the who they sent where and i was like does that does that make sense to send rocket to asgard (laughs) just from a from a strategic from a comedy planning yes from a strategic planning i'm not so sure about his comfort level (laughs) working with thor i think that might be a reason why and that the asgardians are not going to be as freaked out by there being a talking raccoon because they're or or a giant hulk they are unfamiliar with raccoons, so, but yes. Oh. It's a rabbit. But they have rabbits. Rabbits, because so I guess they enough. don't have, because raccoons are North American, I guess. I don't know. Do you have raccoons in Europe? <laughs> no. No? Okay. I don't think. There you go. Who rifles through your trash, then? <laughs> a talking animal is going to be less weird on Asgard than in some of the other places they had to go. Yeah. yeah, and apparently Natalie Portman did record some dialogue to be used in the background of this, but they used footage from Thor two uh, in, in it. Uh-huh. And we, but we do get Thor's mom, who is what Renee Russo, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and they have a conversation. It's very similar. It's a kind of paired conversation with Tony talking to his dad. This is the day in the movie if you don't remember thor the dark world what's wrong with you where uh she's she's gonna die (laughs) she's gonna be killed this day and he misses her very much and they get to have a conversation where she knows that this is a different thor from the future basically and she gives him a they have a very nice conversation where she's sort of like sees how much pain he's in and uh and gives him some advice which is a very nice meanwhile rocket is having some serious asgardian shenanigans as he tries to steal the ether from out of natalie portman because the ether I'm not going to even explain what is going on there. Like, it didn't occur to me that it was sort of a parallel conversation to Tony and his dad because she knows what's up. Like, she doesn't understand it, but she knows that this is not the Thor from... Well, she says she was raised by witches, so she she has this sort of sense. Right. So she doesn't... She may not know 100% what's going on, but she knows that this isn't, like, her Thor at this moment and, you know, like, all of that. And so the conversation they had was really nice. And so I never put it together with the one with tony because his dad doesn't know that's who he is and yet it's still so, both people are getting their bearings and yeah. talking to their parents who are who are no longer with them so in that way it is the same but you're yeah, right she's she knows what's up she knows what's going on in fact he's like oh but later today and she's like but i don't want to hear it you know not no spoilers not i don't want to i don't want to hear about it although then the ether is gone so that timeline's going to go in a totally different direction too and there's no thor hammer except that somehow they're going to put it back ew no maybe yeah maybe that's where well we'll we'll get to the we'll get to that yes how how badly do they mess up these uh these uh uh different timelines um nebula and rody go to guardians of the galaxy where we get to watch uh, we get to watch Peter Quill dancing around with his headphones on in the opening scene of Guardians of the Galaxy, except we're outside and he's just singing to himself. <laughs> and that was oh. a really great moment of uh, on this planet with it. It's the planet where you can pick up those weird uh, rodent things and use them as a microphone <laughs> if you want to. That seems a little rude. Don't don't pick up space rats. Like, that's not a good yeah, idea. Just, it's, Leave it's, them be. It's un- unhygienic at best. And, yeah. you know. I mean, I just, I think that's how you get well, like, a disease. Also, they, they punch him in the face and just leave him there with all the space rats. Yeah. So, you know, in that timeline, he gets eaten. Possibly. So. <laughs> 
possibly. He's dis- he's 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 very scarred. I think he I think he doesn't Case get eaten because at the very least. when Captain America returns and uh, slips the uh, the the stone into his pocket and drags him off somewhere where he's not going to go to safety. Eaten. Yeah, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's that's again. I'm I'm spoiling some of my pitch for the uh, time hopping Captain America adventures <laughs> that will be coming later in this podcast. I promise. Um, the big, hashtag Woodwatch. The big twist here. But- <laughs> Disney Plus. Right? Like make it happen, Chris Evans. Come on. Um, the big twist here is that um, Nebula, who is is here, is also in the present in this timeline nearby ish, and sp- it's space, whatever. And because she's a sort of cyborg creature, she is kind of paired with her own that uh, p- past self in this timeline, and that opens the door for what ends up happening, which is Thanos of this timeline, Thanos of Guardians of the Galaxy who is, you know, already doing his machinations and sending Ronan the accuser to take stones and stuff, um, to, uh, he discovers and figures out that they are traveling from a future where he succeeded and he doesn't like that and he wants to stop them. And in the end, what it means is that they switch nebulas and it leads to, at the very end, the big climax of the movie, which is Thanos and all of his stuff from this point gets brought goes through the the quantum realm and brought forward to uh to the present day as the final uh final big villain to fight at the end of the movie so that's the important plot thing that happens here i couldn't Mm -hmm. get behind that in a way i mean it did it felt understandable i mean it was basically weaponized bluetooth is kind of what set up the rest (laughs) of the movie i guess but um like but from there this is the part that i had a hard time with because I didn't because it sort of felt like the Thanos timeline Thanos's timeline because he goes from here to our five years late our five years after the snapping timeline so then but we still had the other timeline where everything still happened and yet like there's all these other different timelines where that was a thing that wasn't a possibility and so for me it sort of felt like this movie was trying to have it both ways and maybe it's just because there's a piece of this that i'm not thinking about the right way but i tried to figure out how both uh, how all of the timelines in this movie worked and i have a hard time because like if one of them works another one falls apart for me i i think the the way if you think of it like our timeline we can go to other people's timelines and back in time and stuff and nick stuff and mess things up other people can also do that to us right the closest i could come and this will this will be for erica mostly is river song and how she meets the doctor in reverse i don't know the the difference there is that that's a unified timeline here the the idea is that these are just all parallel universes that are time travel creates parallel universes and and so going going back in time and and so thanos coming forward in time out of this which i look at that and i'm like yeah okay the rules for people in ant-man suits is one thing but then opening a portal where an entire fleet goes through from the past to the to the, to the future um not sure i Stretch. buy that right like that's like just yeah they, they want to have a big bad to fight at the very end of the movie and right. thanos mm-hmm. is right there right it's like oh it's thanos again uh we killed that one but there's another one anyway so he comes forward which means that timeline now moves ahead without thanos in it which means that's probably a pretty good timeline it's the punch in the face peter quill but no thanos Thanos timeline so that's not bad yeah and that i think that was what it was was like i understood how everything worked with the suits but getting everybody getting that all all of the fleet and everything yeah that, i'm part, not sure I that holds up to, to close yeah. inspection i think that's why i had a hard time yeah so. don't don't look too close that's that's don't, just that's just wave yeah, your hand don't look too don't stare into the time travel because it will uh stare back at you and change your, your past um clint 
and Natasha visit our buddy the Red Skull uh, on Vormir. Oh, this killed me. From Infinity War me. and basically oh. discover uh, whoever decided that they were going to be the two to go to that planet uh, unwittingly were also sentencing one of them to death because the only way you can get that stone, obviously, is by sacrificing someone. And so the, Clint and Natasha end up in a big battle to see who will be the one to sacrifice themselves. I want to make sure that, like, my thinking on this matches with other people, right? Like, they have had a long relationship throughout the movies. And where it kind of feels like they are at this point is they are very close friends who clearly love each other very deeply. Right? She she was wearing a necklace with an arrow on it earlier in the film. Yes. But, like, I, I... it's kind of like in trying to establish their relationship, that's kind of where I put it at. That, like, they both have very strong feelings for each other, but they're also, like, but their relationship is friendship. This is absolutely a chosen family sort of thing to me. Like, this is who they are to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know hundred percent if it was always friendship, but it's certainly at this point. It's where they friendship. are now. But like, I yeah. think there was a love for each other mm-hmm. that they have kept. And that, this scene I think this was the most affecting scene of the movie for me. Like this was the one that got me the most is from the moment that they start to like, they both realize what's going on until the very moment that like that Nat plummets is just like the the way that neither of them can let go. And because they know both of them that the world that they will live in with the other one gone is not worth it for them. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that they can't handle it. And it it just this just killed me. I, it was so I mean, good. I have to say, I was looking at that scene and I was thinking, he's got family, she's got no one, they're going to kill her. And and it, it sort of flipped it two or three times. You mm-hmm. know, it's like who's going to go over? Oh no, no, it's somebody else. Yeah, but- I f- I felt that way too, and I I hated that I felt that way because the idea that just because she's a single woman and has a chosen family, a found family instead of a uh, instead of one that she you know birthed herself. Let's not even think about the past movies with that part of things. Um, that that yeah, like I could tell that's where the movie was going and what it was going to do, and it made me upset that that like his his type of family is is prioritized over hers. I also noticed that the soul stone only seems to take women sacrifices. <laughs> You know, it's like we've had two sacrifices, both women, statistically. Hmm. Um, however, I, having said that, I I am actually glad, like, I'm, I'm on board with her being the one that does go over the edge because, A... I, I really think that she could kick Clint's ass. And I think that if he had somehow beat her, I I don't I don't think I would have bought that. And also just, you know, I, I may have some serious quibbles with the, the like the the way that she was made to think that she is a monster because she can't have children, like all that kind of stuff in the past. Um, really annoying to me. But that is the character that we have. She's got a lot of red in her ledger and she wants to balance it out. And and that's who she is when we get to this point. This is a really big, sprawling movie that has an awful lot of characters and we don't have a huge amount of time with any of them. I don't think I would have felt like it was an earned character development if suddenly she had decided that she didn't need to sacrifice herself in order to save the in, you know half of the actual universe because the character that we've been set up with through all of these movies is like that's what she wants to do she wants to make it right and as much as i hated seeing her die i really really liked seeing her achieve uh, 
basically what she's been aiming for since we first truly learned about her is is to sort of make up for the crap that she has done in the past. And what better way? Like, you know, she more than balanced the books by uh, by going over the edge. So so I was actually happy with it uh, in the end. But, uh, I had well, so there was two things. One, there's the, the supposedly there's the Black Widow movie, which is going to happen in the future, which is reportedly a prequel that's set just after the first Avengers movie, which seems an interesting point in time to set it um but also i don't get what happens when he brings the soul when cap brings the soul stone back that's an episode of the time hopping captain america adventures which i am Ooh. i am pitching and I, i'll i'll now reveal it now is uh is he returns to vormir he punches the red skull in the face for old time's sake and then he chucks the soul stone over the the side of the mountain and that's it that's uh, that's your story and does mm-hmm. she come back does no. does can you trade them back in again no, they, they spoke about that right like that this one that's it Right, they, they reference it like that one's that they, you can't go back and change that the sacrifice right, is given it's because bruce tries it. and can't do it yeah uh, yeah yeah but i think bringing the soul stone back you know you should get something for that trade-in value like a bottle deposit yeah you get your deposit <laughs> so, back that's all you get <laughs> yeah i was really sad about how this went and i really didn't know who was gonna end up over the edge like it did go back and forth and i was like, oh it's gonna be oh it's oh well but um, but I also didn't feel like it could have happened any other way. Like for me, like that's, that's exactly how that was going to go. The two of them were going to have to throw down about it. And I knew that. And like when she went over, that was my first thought was, but I really wanted a Black Widow movie. And then like we came out of the movie and I was like, this is the thing I'm saddest about is that we'll never get a Black Widow movie. And my friend showed me like, they've already said it's a confirmed deal that we're getting one so i felt much better about it at that point but it really it felt like that was the way that was always going to have to go if the two of them went anywhere that that was exactly what it was going to be because each of them cares so much about the other one that this is how it was always going to have to go well the, the thing that i was wondering with that was like did they know when they were parceling up all the people and sending them off on the tasks that one of these tasks involved somebody being sacrificed what if they just sent a single person yeah um, because there was no sort of like, oh, we'll, we'll send these two. Cause it could have been like Rocket and Hawkeye or something like that. In which case Rocket just, you know, gives Hawkeye a little shove from behind his knees and down, he's, yeah. down he goes. One of the things like, so like my read on this scene is clearly like, it really hit me, but like, it, it felt like in that moment, you know, the decisions that they were making, it had nothing to do with the plan, right? Like the decision of who goes, it had nothing to do with like who's going to have what left. You know, I mean, she she mentions his family and stuff, but it feels like at that point they're just deciding between the two of them, right? Like that's all this is. It's just like the two of them are making a decision, and it it's not really for everyone. It's just for them, and yeah, it really got me. Yeah, which is which is why I was ultimately happy with it because of course this character she's she's going to sacrifice herself so that he can, you know, this person that she loves is going to be able to stay and be with his family. It's just the you know somebody wrote that scene and also made that choice from you know the the outside perspective, the uh, the the doyleist yes. perspective, if you will. So <laughs> so yeah, it's still it's you know I, I can I I I hold these sort of two things in my head at the same time. I I enjoyed that scene very much and I liked the I, I liked. The 
the end for that character. But I can also be sort of unhappy with the fact that we live in a world where that's the appropriate end for that character. What, what I would have liked is for Cap to go, just push the Red Skull over the edge, collect the stone, leave. I don't think I don't think killing your uh, arch enemy who you already killed yeah. once counts as a sacrifice. Though. Well, you know, it depends what the DM says, really. The, uh, uh, so, yeah. yeah I, roll, I think, roll bluff. So I've been thinking oh, yes. as we, you know, as uh, somebody who's watching Game of Thrones and thinking, I've been thinking about... Um, about series tv series finales and this is a little bit like that where this is I, I know there are more marvel movies and some of these characters move on but this is really the avengers finale and the first cycle of these movies finale and so on that level i i found myself not disappointed by any of the character deaths because i felt like this is basically the end of the story and it doesn't matter whether the characters die or live in a way because we won't see them again more or less at the end of this because it's the end of the story and i think that's true here too where i didn't know whether clint or natasha would end up dying but in the end i was okay with either in the sense that i didn't really feel like like you know th- we were going to see them again anyway i mean maybe there's a spinoff or a prequel or whatever but like in terms of the story i thought this felt very much like a movie where characters were going to make uh, very important decisions and i was okay with it it's not like you know somebody dies who you really liked and it's only the third movie and you never get to see them again except in a flashback here it's like well we're at the end if people make these choices uh as a viewer I'm okay with it just because I know we weren't really going to see them again anyway. And maybe, maybe it's great to have them go out on a high note and, and you know, yeah. And so that's how I viewed it when they were fighting over who was going to die. No, me, I, I want to die. No, me, I want to sacrifice myself. I was sort of okay with it. And in, in the, just in the grand sense of things. Okay. Uh, everybody goes back and returns to the pad right when they left, right? Because it's time travel and they all just go back. We've, we've determined this now. They just go back to where they were. They've, they've messed up any number of timelines but uh <laughs> their timeline's the only one that matters so it's fine <laughs> right like that's the not to bring up stargate again but that is one of my favorite lines from all science fiction is there's a line that the character teal says which is our universe is the only one of consequence <laughs> i'm like yep that's the that's, that's the right attitude like who cares about those other timelines we're fine we're doing it here uh and so they're they're back except it's fake nebula um and they uh everybody's sad because natasha isn't there uh and uh but but yay they've got all the gems and they can make a uh they can make a an iron man glove full of gems and somebody can snap their fingers and bring back everybody um and uh you know and and uh but thanos is going to come through and uh and start bombing the avengers compound so uh, this is our last uh mo- last big segment of the movie banner restores everybody um but he is he is uh harmed just as thanos was harmed that the user of the glove does actually pay a price here that's setting up what's going to happen when tony has to use the glove in a little bit and then thanos does reappear and is trying to get that glove so that he can he can re-snap and 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 re-win his victory and he's brought basically all of his stuff from that other timeline including all of those uh, flying monster things from the avengers and all of his whales all of his army from guardians of the galaxy all of that stuff is with him so it's a huge amount of scary space people who are there to destroy and old gamora yes 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 yeah yeah, old gamora because gamora died in in the sacrifice that thanos made but now there's an there's a uh, an alternate timeline past gamora who is brought uh to the present and the and our nebula so there's the two 
uh, nebulae, I suppose. Uh, and uh, and then there's a, an enormous fight scene uh, that is, uh, you know, obligatory. You got to have it. It is, I heard somebody describe it. It might have been in our Slack as the cinematic equivalent of one of those giant uh, two page spread splash pages in a comic book. It's mm-hmm. like it is every character yeah. ever. All do, fighting. They, do they say do they say Avengers assemble? Yes, they do. They, yes, yes, they, they do. do. <laughs> yes, they do. And I think the the point that was surprising because they they, they hadn't given any indication that the Hulk's uh, use of the gauntlet had actually worked you know we get the like there's a phone call hawkeye's family calls you know his wife calls and all that happens but like in the in the climax of the battle all the little spinny circles from wong <laughs> appear and all of the other heroes that were disappeared before uh reappear and the fight is on uh and that's this segment of the movie so how, how do people uh this is the big uh, punchy flyy fighty uh spider-man's on a on a unicorn at one point or uh, sorry pegasus <laughs> Pegasus. I, I'm, I'm not sure what his webs were attaching to because he was like swinging across that battlefield. There was a bunch of flying space whales. It's fine. He's just yeah. attaching to them. That's the okay. Got fine. Head cannon accepted. Yeah. Thank uh-huh. you, Mike. It's like in the video games. It's like where are the guys? There must be a helicopter. Don't worry about it. it there's like a, a Pegasus flying over, uh-huh. and he just like attaching to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when uh, when Captain America gets Mjolnir. Oh, Did yeah. everybody's uh, yes, yes, yeah. Everyone gasped. <laughs> every every movie theater across the land. It was yep. such. It honestly one of my favorite moments of uh, exp- like one of my favorite experiences of seeing a movie in a theater was that because it was so exciting because it seemed so obvious to me. I don't know what everybody else thought, but it was like, oh well, that's going to Captain Marvel, right? Like that's who I, that's who I thought Mjolnir was flying to. It's like she is clearly the the person who would ha- be able to control that type of power, right? Like that was it's like oh that must be where it's going. And then to see Cap grab it, it's like ah. And then he's like I knew it, and I'm like so did I. It was so good. <laughs> so, yes. From what Age of Ultron, where they have the hammer yeah. picking up contest, mm-hmm. and it it actually moves a little bit with Steve and Thor's like oh wait a second that's my hammer. Yeah, and at yeah. that time Thor looks worried. There was a comment from Joss Whedon who said that he wrote that as if uh, Cap knew that he could pick it up, but he didn't basically want Thor to feel bad. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. (laughs) So that's why Thor's I knew it made sense in that. And that's and that's perfect, too, because at that time, you know, he didn't want Thor to feel bad. And Thor did look kind of disturbed and worried about it. Whereas this Thor, so much farther after all of this character development, he's super stoked. Like, he is the stand-in character for the audience that's cheering. Well, he has a a cooler weapon now anyway, so doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Very true. But I loved watching that moment, and I I really enjoyed uh, the, like... I knew it wasn't Thor, but I didn't know who it was. And so in that moment of watching it travel, I was one I was waiting to see where it was going to go and I really I really enjoyed the payoff and we've seen it in the comics before and different things. Um so it's not like it would be unheard of and I really did enjoy uh that moment of like sort of everybody being happy about it. It seemed like so. The, uh, the I, thing I really with that, I don't know if it's just because I've been watching too much Game of Thrones, but as soon as he got that hammer and he was having this really, you know, big moment, I thought, you're so dead. And that kind of just tempered it slightly. But it was also really fun to watch him 
wield that because yeah. like you know logistically like it's a very different style of fighting if you have an attack weapon and not just a shield that you can throw at people and so watching him work in a completely new way after all this time where most of what he worked with was a shield and you know some some cleverness was really fun to watch it was really great to see him in a completely different context especially like watching him and thor together fighting right like with their weaponry yes. like it was a and like as well it's like cap shooting lightning and everyone so this is the <laughs> best thing ever it was so, it was so I loved it. fun uh, it was yes. so it was so cathartic it felt so good yes he picked up those powers really quickly you know there was yep. no instruction mm-hmm. manual but he could just He's captain america he could do whatever he wants I am known for for getting bored by battle sequences, yeah. and but I have to say I quite enjoyed most of this one because it wasn't done as like this just giant set piece battle sequence where it's just punching and, and smashing. Each character and group of characters got their own moment within the battle scene, and, and it was varied. Right? It, yeah. it it didn't feel like it was like constantly Thor nearly dying it's, and then Thor exactly, saving yeah. himself nearly dying. I, yeah. I was worried going into this that it's like, this is a three-hour movie, this is going to be like a slog, and the Avengers movies in general are not my favorite of the Marvel movies, but I was I was, I, I, I was uh, engaged the whole time through. I, so. I believe this was also referencing one of your sports, uh, mm. not, not one that I was familiar with, but the, the, the gauntlet being chucked around just did seem very much like some kind of sporting uh, metaphor. <laughs> Ah, gauntlet the ultimate, it's ultimate Man. gauntlet is what it's called. No, that would be that would be the shield. Thank you. There were like three different parts of this movie where I cried. I was not a huge bucket of tears like like some of you guys were, but there were definitely a few moments that got me. And one of them was actually during the battle sequence. And that was when you have that moment where, you know, the camera starts on, and I can't remember which of the women it is. Um, and, you know, Captain Marvel is going to take the, the gauntlet across oh. the field or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And then... The camera just starts panning to the right and, you know, she's she's got help. And it's just it's all of these women that are just decked out and look oh. amazing. And that was like I started to lose it at that moment. And then there was this like capital letters comic book dude sitting next to me who was very noisy through the whole film, which, you know, he was enjoying it, which is fine. But he was maybe a little more uh, loud than he needed to be. And like he I'm sorry, flipped I'm sorry. out. That was me. <laughs> he flipped out over that scene like and he just he seemed to me like the the stereotypical like uh, you know he would lecture somebody after the movie about something comic book dude and he was as excited about that scene as i was he was just like oh, oh. yeah and like when he celebrated that much that was just like the waterworks like i was just like and then the whole crowd went wild but that specific yeah. guy just made me enjoy it even more so that was my waterworks scene it got this i would say an equal cheer to the cat with the hammer I love you all talking about really interactive um, movie theater experiences. I saw this movie at 7 (laughs) a.m. So we were all asleep while we were watching. It was not a raucous. At 7 a.m. Crowd. There were there were 20 people there at 7 a.m. But it was why mm, it was yeah that was uh, I feel bad for the theater employees. So I've seen some. Yeah, I've seen some um, some criticism of the scene with the women all together because of the feeling like that Marvel has not done a good job with women characters through this first phase of movies and Fair. I I I see that and yet I reject it because I don't think that's what the movie is intending. I feel like the movie is intending to say we are this one of the things this movie is about is passing the torch to the next generation of heroes. And it, I feel like it acknowledges that 
early on these movies were very male centric, but that's been changing and that the roster of the Marvel Universe is more diverse than it was 11 years ago. And that this is like, this is the face of the future. And led by Captain Marvel, by the way, who explodes a spaceship as she does in Captain oh. Marvel. And that is very clearly, you know, the most powerful or or very close to the most powerful character in these movies. Uh, so that's how I read it. I read it as very much a celebration mm-hmm. of uh, this is the new, you know, this is the new universe. This is where we're moving forward. All of these women are part of the, the next chapter of this story. And that's so that's how I choose to read it anyway. The superhero future is female. Yep. I, I saw that and I thought you could totally have a film with just these characters. Oh, I want to watch mm-hmm. that movie. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was, it didn't feel token, token-y to me like this, you know, like here's our token women. It, it really did feel like these are a bunch of powerful characters and we have finally recognized that. And so here they are. And yeah, the, this is the face of the future. Yep. I mean, the fact that Captain Marvel was made after this film, and Captain Marvel's probably the most sort of openly feminist film, it, it kind of implies that they're going in the right direction. Yeah, the, 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 uh, that's, there is some complaint I saw of about Brie Larson not being more involved in this movie as Captain Marvel, but, but again... I, was a little, I, I just thought she was going to be in it more based on like her presence in that post credit scene. It seemed like this mm-hmm. would be all about yeah, her. Yeah, I did And too. it's like, no, she's there a little bit. Yeah. They had a good, good reason for removing her well i mean first off she's a new character and and this is about this is about saying goodbye to the old characters and she's also i get that and and also it turns out like from the behind the scenes perspective logistically they actually made this movie before they made that movie (laughs) and Mm. so they they were like i mean the black panther stuff too similarly they made both of these movies before black panther came out and they didn't know that black panther was going to be the huge success that it was so some of it is it they actually show more confidence in these movies that had not been made or had not been released yet um than you might have because they didn't know it's weird it's weird the way they put these together but I was happy to see it is. I mean, but they do pay it off, right? They they knew that the Captain Marvel movie was going to come and then this was going to happen and that they were going to bring her in at the beginning and then they bring her in at the end to kind of, you know, blow up a spaceship and do all the stuff that she does. I also like that part of her function was sort of um, perspective. Yeah. Cosmic because, perspective. Like, yes. They point out mm-hmm. why are you basically like, why are you always gone? And she's basically like, you're not the only game in town. Yeah, big universe Earth. out there, guys. Yeah. And and I really I enjoyed that piece of her character. Yes, I would have. I, I, I wish for more of her in this movie. Uh, and I understand why it's not. And that was my thinking, too, was that, um, you know, she's sort of new phase. And th- this is like the OG characters you know time to shine and so she's gonna show up as seasoning she's not a featured flavor in this movie and but i liked that when we did see her and her perspective that was the thing that she was saying was like you know you're not the only ones that are going through some stuff and you know i'm trying to help you know others as well like she's basically like doing what they're doing but on an intergalactic scale as opposed to an interplanetary scale right and so to me that like that was a really nice sort of focus to also show like how vast this conflict actually is when it comes to earth i I also just like the moment where thanos headbutted her and she just sort of stood there with a look on her face like what huh Huh? Uh, so that leads to the big, the big end, the big finish in this film. Um, 
the how are they going to defeat this enormous army of uh, Thanos and his people? And the answer is that Tony is going to use Hello? the uh, hi Tony. I got a job for you. <laughs> You're going to look over at Doctor Strange, who's going to hold up one yeah. single finger. So this is this is the payoff of that. There's one timeline here, and and uh, Tony Stark wants to know more about it. And uh, you know, Doctor Strange is very much like, you know, if I tell you, then it won't happen. But, uh, but then he gives him the the one timeline. He's like, you know what you have to do, and what you have to do is you have to put on the gauntlet and snap your fingers or whatever, <sighs> and use the, your power to make Thanos and his minions go away. But we know from what it did to Thanos and what it did to the Hulk, what it's going to do to Tony, which is kill him. And he mm-hmm. makes that he makes that sacrifice to end the threat um, forever, and uh, and that is the end of Tony Stark's story arc, except for the hologram that he recorded that will be played back. Uh, well, later. he gets to have his little goodbye scene first with Peter, who's uh, extremely upset. Oh. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and he Peter Peter gets more time basically than than um pepper than pepper, pepper. yeah hey hey yeah. The, hey teenager his wife is here <laughs> yeah get out the way out of the way teen yeah teen boy that's what i thought but but i also felt like the scene with with peter was a bigger deal to me and maybe it's just because i never felt like pepper was as interesting a character as she could have been but um the whole thing with peter i think it's partly because that was the big bit in 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 infinity war for me was i don't feel so good and so to see that the other way like yeah like i've i finally pulled myself together and lost it all over again right here because it was just and oh it makes it totally makes sense for the movie it is paying off that sad scene at the end of infinity war now absolutely but in in universe i do that moment it's like i know that this is important but but his wife is also here the mother of his child is here she she would probably like to say goodbye to him before he dies yeah honestly when she showed up in the iron man suit that was another moment where the entire audience just went bananas and and clapped and stuff so and yeah and the the moment where she says goodbye to him is the one of the other few moments that i actually just completely cried because because of the way that she did it and she says you know we're going to be okay you can rest now and i will i will agree with kelly that pepper has never really been my favorite character i don't have a lot of strong feelings for her but i do like the fact that she you know she really does love tony and she gets him uh in a way that not everybody does so she says to him the most selfless thing the thing that he needs to hear so that he can you know go gracefully and then she waits until after he's actually dead to just like really you know lose her mind and and start crying and i just that was that was a, a really selfless moment that totally totally got me because she held it together for him to let him know yeah we're all gonna be fine you know yeah she's a complete mess as soon as he's gone but uh but yeah in that moment it was and it's reinforcing what she told her she told him at the top of the movie which is you have to do this you're the hero and so she says here you had to do this you're the hero and you did it you can't yeah you couldn't not yeah yeah Yeah. and it's not you know this is this is bad but you you had to do it it's who you are it's why you're here and you know and you, and you did it and now you can rest because you did your job you did everybody else will take it from here i just have to say the other thing in this moment just to go back to peter for a second was even after all of this he still calls him mr, mr. Stark. stark mr stark and i just okay? doesn't he just say tony he, he calls him tony end. like the last time he calls him tony 
I think there was a I, switch. I may have sobbed over that and just not been paying attention. <laughs> I, I mean, this is not the point. I mean, again, because this is this is resolving the Tony Stark story. But I had to say, I'm kind of fascinated to see where they take Spider-Man from here in the Spider-Man movie, because one of the defining moments, uh, defining characteristics of Peter Parker in the MCU has been his relationship with Tony as a mentor and and supplier of weird spider suits. Right. So I'm I'm kind of interested because like Tony Stark and his fortune and his company and his and his infrastructure is still there but he's not and I wonder what that lets them potentially take that character the Peter Parker character interesting places in the MCU going forward too because he's lost his mentor but you know but he also still has a support system and it looks like you know Happy is still going to be you know giving oh, him Happy's on the scene you know he's in the he's in the trailer for <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home so I'm sure they'll be around but that that adds a level of interest to where Peter Parker goes for me because he has lost his mentor now and that's fascinating but it's not about Peter Parker but still it's also about Peter Parker I'm just but, it, <laughs> but I did feel I think I felt like more bad for Peter in that moment because this is the second time this has happened to him yeah because first he had uncle ben which was like a defining moment in his life and then he meets tony and tony like helps him out and they have this relationship and then now there's no more yeah, tony it's another, and so, so it's his third one of my third father figure to die right because his parents died what? first and then right. uncle ben so died it's one and, thing for happy to step up you know because we know happy's on the scene and you know it's it but it's not going to be the same relationship. So like you said, like I wondered, you know, well now what's going to happen to Peter? Because now, you know, Peter's been through some stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm wondering if in the film, in the, the Spider-Man film to come, that there's going to be some mentor figure that he's going to attach to who's going to turn out to be oh, bad. Bad evil. guy. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Um, uh, yeah. It's, it's all, it's very interesting stuff. Um, oh, other things that happen here, not just Tony dying, although that's a big, big moment. Um, well, Clint gets to go home for hot dogs. So we'll just put that out there. Hot dogs <laughs> at the uh, Barton house. Um, Valkyrie is, uh, put in charge of new Asgard by Thor. I love that. Which is great. I, I'm so happy because her, her fate after Thor Ragnarok was kind of unclear and we get the clarity in this movie, which made me very happy. And he's like, you're great. You should be in charge of this thing. I'm going to go off with the Asgardians of the galaxy. <laughs> uh, and then we get, so we get Valkyrie put in charge and then Thor on the bridge of the ship with the guardians, uh, arguing with Peter Quill about who's in charge and saying in a very unconvincing oh. way that Peter Quill is in charge, which made me laugh. Too. I, I really hope he's in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I hope so too. He's got to be, right? I mean, uh, how I, do they not just, run with that? Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I was wondering was, because in, in that scene, uh, uh, Peter's looking on a scanner for Gamora, and it's like, did she get dusted or not? Because, you know, she was part of the bad guy yeah, team. I, I assume because she was with Nebula and all that, my, my assumption is that in that moment, you know, Tony sees all knows all too, right? And and that she is uh, also just from pure mechanics standpoint, that allows uh, Gamora to still be in this universe, even though she was yeah, sacrificed. It's, it's basically they're Harry Kimming her and yeah, we're getting a replacement from another dimension. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which I think is yeah. I think is interesting because that, that sets up another interesting dynamic for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is that uh, this Gamora has not participated in those movies. And although she was on the outs from Thanos and she helped her sister, she's not the one who fell in love with Peter Quill and has worked with that team. And that's that's kind of a fun sci-fi premise for 
uh, for a movie. And and yes, I would love to see Thor. I hope that's the plan. I assume that they're not going to make any more Thor movies just because I, you know, contractually, but like they could use Thor in other places. And Chris Hemsworth is so good. He doesn't need to have, I mean, I, I would be fine with more Thor movies, to be honest, after Ragnarok, but um, he fits so well in both of these movies with those cosmic guardian characters mm-hmm. that yep. I would love to have him be a part of more of those kind of cosmic movies, either him with them or with Captain Marvel or other kind of spacey stuff uh, where it can be weird and funny. I think the tone of Thor Ragnarok and the Guardians movies was pretty close. So For sure. I think yes. it would be a good fit. For sure. Oh, yeah, he could hang. Yeah. And I, it would be, and it would give them another dynamic because it would be because it would be interesting to sort of watch the two of them jockey for position and how thor bounces off the other characters that we didn't see him with all that much like right we didn't really see him with drax <laughs> right and, and that, i can't wait to see that conversation and he has, he has <laughs> his existing relationship with rocket which is interesting too right like his rabbit right. friend mm-hmm. and he are kind of tight now because they've been yeah they, they you know they've worked together more than they've worked with the other group too so that's and, and the right. guardians the guardians films are uh, more comedic and he's like the best comedic actor in the mcu i yeah. think sure. so definitely put him in ragnarok flavor is a pretty good flavor in the pretty Marvel good as guardians of the galaxy make it happen all right can i give you my pitch for uh before we get to the before we get to the end so they send steve uh back with a uh, infinity stones in order to replace oh. them back in the timeline so that they don't wither and die because the uh, banner made a promise to the ancient one um and uh so they send him off and bucky comes in and says you know final words to him and i've definitely read the the writers have been inconsistent with their comments about this but they definitely said that the way that they intended it um was that bucky knows what's up <laughs> bucky bucky know, has already peeked ahead a little bit because he knows that there's a gu- old man sitting on a bench over there he knows that's going on so he sort of says goodbye to steve kind of knowing what steve's gonna do but um they say goodbye to steve and they say he's gonna come back in five seconds and it's not gonna be a problem and that leads everybody to uh the time hopping captain america adventures trademark uh uh episode one the mind stone is returned to hydra i guess uh and the time stone is returned to the ancient one in new york city um after which captain america makes a stop for shawarma uh episode two the reality stone is returned to asgard uh he during the events of thor 2 he's like hey everybody have a good movie is that christopher eccleston over there bye and he's out of there <laughs> episode three the power stone is slipped into the bag of unconscious peter quill who's dragged away from the rats before they can eat his face uh, he also inserts a best of benny goodman big band cassette into his bag for <laughs> later listening because oh. the, the classics are the best episode four the soul stone is returned to Vormir. as i said he punches the red skull in the face for old time's sake and in episode five the space stone is returned to new jersey where else but new jersey and uh <laughs> then he goes to visit peggy carter one last time or perhaps for uh a lifetime and then uh and then oh. in my head canon at least and in some of the interviews with the with the uh, screenwriters in that parallel universe he stays with peggy and they get to live their life together and then presumably i feel i feel like after peggy passes away he uh returns to his home dimension uh, with a shield that he's picked up along the way which is not his shield from the current timeline because it br- breaks into into chunks uh but a new shield which he gives to uh to sam uh, the Falcon to be the new Captain America, uh, and that's that's the last thing basically in the movie is old. And Steve. That's the last time I cried. A, fa- a fancy shield that he probably stole from some other time. Yes, yeah, some other some other <laughs> along the way. I've got to put that in the uh, the time hop in Captain America Adventures. But there is an episode where he goes shield shopping, 
And uh, he's like, say. Let's just say in the future. It's like a future shield. Well, I, I feel like maybe the, and we're deep into the headcanon now, but I don't think Steve and Peggy are going to be able to just retire quietly to themselves and spend their time together in that timeline. I imagine that they fought evil. And so they probably needed to get oh, yeah. him a shield because he didn't have a shield. And so he gets a fancy shield. And when he's done with it and he's retired and they've lived their life, he goes back to his home timeline and then passes that shield on to Sam. So, so again, this is my pitch. Thank you for listening. Captain America's Time Hop and Adventures coming in 2021 on Disney+. Plus. Uh, but anyway, how does everybody <laughs> feel about the resolution for Steve? He doesn't die. Instead, he gets to go back in time, live the life that he was denied when he got frozen in the original Captain America movie. Um, he and Peggy get to live a life together. We see them dancing in the very last shot of the movie, which is a fantastic callback to the fact that they're They've got a date to go dancing, but he gets crashed in the Atlantic Ocean instead in the first Captain America movie. And that's how this movie ends. I, I'm still confused by the time travel of this particular yep. bit. Yeah, this, uh, this is the part that I can't get my head around. <laughs> I, I figured if, if, they had, if they had put him on the platform as an old man, it would have all yes. made sense, right? Totally. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've already seen people changing age with the the Ant Man so stuff previously. I have headcanon here, which is that he came back like the day before and uh, called Bucky and said, uh, <laughs> "Change of plans." But how did he adjust to come back a day early? Like, I don't know. That's the part he left that I don't Bucky. Care. No, hang on. He could he went leave back a far message. enough <laughs> that so it wasn't as accurate. I, yeah. I, I don't know. But, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'll take but it. But his. His travel, like his timeline, made perfect sense to me because in his own life, he got to go back and live all those years he was denied, which I liked a bunch of different ways. I liked it for Peggy. I liked it for him. Mm-hmm. I liked it because it was an, a really nice payoff for his character to get that to get to live that full air quote normal life because it can't be that normal. He's with Peggy Carter, uh, so yeah. I, I I really enjoyed. I enjoyed that because that being sort of the last thing, the, the last part of the movie uh, gave me nothing but happy things to think about afterward, I, you know, with what kind of life they led together. I, I had the thought that he went back into the past of our timeline and then had to just keep hiding. Like when yeah. anyone <laughs> came around, it's like Peggy would sort of bundle him into a wardrobe. And the problem I have with that is that I kind of can't believe that he would, he would, hide and do nothing given his strength and power and and sense of goodness and feel like well i'm retired now so i'm just gonna hide while these things happen in this timeline but it would you know and, and it goes against he the knows rules he's got it. it goes against mm-hmm. the rules of time travel which is his present in the past would alter things even a little bit and that would cause a new timeline to happen it, mm-hmm. it kind of is so the writer's I think the writers are confused because the writers obviously had multiple drafts of this, and I think maybe they don't remember which draft they finally went with. <laughs> so they've said conflicting things, but I have read an interview with them where they said that's the whole idea, is that he lived in an alternate timeline, and then he came back at a different point, and that's how Bucky knows that Steve's not uh. going to come back, is that Bucky's already, there's a little timey-wimey thing there. I just feel like, couldn't it... Maybe it just got cut. And they and- want him sitting on the bench because they want that reveal, and it would be less dramatic, I get yeah. it, if, if he yep. just was replaced by old man steve with the shield uh on the platform which is kind of what i expected to happen but you can finesse it it's a little confusing i wish we had gotten more peggy in this movie because we get i agree almost, almost yes. zero yes. i mean we, we basically get as much as natalie portman who is basically not actually in the movie and so that that is a little unfortunate because it's like i like peggy and steve getting together at the end and and you know i i thought i thought captain was gonna america was gonna die i thought that yeah. was like the writing on the wall for this movie so it's nice that they get he a happy to live ending. instead it is, yeah, it's a little unfortunate that like 
it's it feels it's his happy it feels like his happy ending instead of their happy ending because she's not a character yeah. in this movie. So right. that we, kinda, we do see them great. dancing. There's at least yeah. that. And we know yeah. her, we know her from the other movies and so that's how I think and her TV show, so I think that's how they get away with it. But Tony, Tony, episode 6 of the Time Hopping Captain America Adventures is all about Steve and Peggy. So I just I gotcha. like for example when they went to the 70s, I didn't need 70s Hank Pym. I would have cut 70s Hank Pym and given us more 70s 70s Peggy. Yeah. So yeah, fair I can, I can i'd have been into 70s peggy that would have i i yeah sure i i do think there's a question too is does he go back to the 70s as in my pitch for the time hopping captain america adventures and, and return the stone and then stay with that peggy or does he go back further in order to pick her up sooner after he disappeared to get more time with her because he he knows more or less when she dies of old age and so that's the question is does he does he skip out on her for 25 years and just re-engage with her in the 70s and they live forward uh-huh. from there or does he go back further to af- just after the war and 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 sort of like re-enter more or less his old maybe life maybe he goes to whenever it's age appropriate right because he's older now because he has lived another 10 years see in the comics mm-hmm. also captain america lives a long time because of the super soldier that he ages he ages more slowly so um that's season two of the time hop and captain america adventures i guess he just keeps going back in time that that was one of the things that bothered me when they went back and they stole the pim particles they only took like two of them and there was like four or something set up and i was like just take them, take all, them all then you can do more stuff <laughs> yeah this timeline doesn't one, matter one is none two is one three is yeah also yeah. i just figured i was very surprised i was like oh obviously they've screwed up time travel they have the time stone they're gonna fix it nope don't worry about that nope also uh since since hank pym has been restored and they now have the secret of time travel at any point after they the hulk snaps back hank pym they can build a time machine and do whatever they want so but they they do also have the time stone so he was going back with the time stone it got destroyed in their timeline there are no more infinity stones so there's no more eye of agamotto which is bad for dr strange i guess yeah we'll i did appreciate that like they call out that like wow a lot of a lot of these infinity stones are not just on earth but in new york city at the same yeah. time <laughs> yeah. we got at the right fun. time that was fun well so avengers endgame uh let me go around and ask everybody like overall impression obviously everybody's been pretty positive about it i, I want to remind people of our feelings uh back when the avengers came out uh which was generally uh how are they going to make this movie so it's not a disaster putting all these characters in one place and it turns out <laughs> that joss whedon kind of put together a template for how you do that and it worked and it was surprising and it made a billion dollars and then we were on this path i was revisiting those thoughts as i thought about this movie and the previous uh, infinity war that it is a kind of a miracle that these movies are as good as they are given the corporate synergy and the requirements you know like of the all of the reasons why they they should be a uh, a failure and yet uh they continue to be good so uh final thoughts about the movie overall and how you viewed it uh, erica I I just really, really loved it. I just had so much fun watching it. I was actually glad that... So I saw it on on opening night on Thursday night. So I was glad that it was more than a week between watching it and talking about it here because I just wanted to stew yeah. in those happy, gooey, delightful emotions that that I had after seeing it. And and yeah, like I, I, I genuinely genuinely want to go and watch it again. And you know, this time it's okay if I have to take a bathroom break because I've now seen the whole thing. So I'm just excited to to experience it once more. But I totally agree that they pulled it off. And I was worried about that too. And they did it. And I'm just I'm just happy. Three hours and it wasn't a grind too, which is surprising. Nope. Yeah. It, it flew by. James? 
I mean, I was thinking we're, we're sort of pretty close to the anniversary of us seeing Infinity War in Texas. Um, and that was kind of one of my best cinema experiences. So my expectations for this film were pretty high. And I think it met a lot of them. But what I was thinking was, um, I, I feel like Disney completely dominating pop culture. You know, it's like they've taken 29% of the box office takings this year so far. And with Fox, I think they get another 5% or something. But it's a bit like Apple dominating smartphones they do a decent job of it so i kind of don't mind the the huge monopoly position that they have yep yeah i mean if you're going to do the job well that that's a lot better than if you're doing you're you're ruling and doing the job poorly kelly like i was i was happy in parts i was sad in parts uh shout out to the theater where i saw it uh that served food and had cloth napkins because i totally needed that cloth napkin for most of that movie (laughs) and um but I think, like, overall, I was satisfied. Like, I felt like I got good answers for the characters I don't anticipate seeing again. And I, because I, I know we get more Spider-Man. So, um, like, the arcs for everybody, you know, and then, like, you know, we get the funeral where we sort of check in with everybody. We've got Nick Fury there at the end and all of that was was really nice to sort of be reminded of. I really liked how they did the final credits, which was definitely like, in case you missed it, this is the end of an era. Here we are showing you it. And I, I really... I like the signatures. The autographs are really nice. Yeah, like all of all of the main characters with the autographs. I thought that was that was really, really great. And I love Star the, Trek Six. The anvil yeah. at the end. The, the anvil sound at the end, like getting to hear, you know, this is where, like, this is where it all began. Right. And so for me, overall, it was satisfaction. Like, I felt like my investment in these movies had paid off in all of these unexpected and tearful ways, uh, which I did not expect. But it was really nice to get the payoff from all of that and have it feel like payoff. Like, I've seen these stories. They are complete. Do I have questions? Yes, I have questions. But none of the fundamental stuff about these stories went unanswered by the end of it. And like the whole thing has a beginning and a middle and an end. And I really enjoyed that journey with all of those characters for all of those years. Mike? So I adored this movie. I, I've i been watching these Marvel movies for a third of my life now, right? <laughs> they, 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 they've been a huge part of my life. You should take some breaks. Yeah, it's, it's taken a while. That is how long it does take now. If you begin, um, it's and so like really, it's been a it's been kind of wild to watch it all unfold over the years to see how Marvel and Disney have been able to end up pulling it all together. And I think that Endgame is an accomplishment that shouldn't have been possible. Like to be able to pull in just the amount of stars that they have into one movie feels like it shouldn't work. Like, you should not be able to do that. It's too many people. It's too much star power. You'll never make it work. But they did. I think that irrespective of how good this movie is, it is a feat that they were able to execute it. Like, even just the logistics of getting these people in the same place. That funeral scene at the end, the funeral scene, I assumed it was a composite of different things, Mm -hmm. but they've Mm -hmm. said that literally everyone was standing there. Yeah, it was one shot. Just just getting all of those people in the same place at the same time is an unbelievable thing, let alone how good the movie is. And Jason, will you allow me to give a very quick list of all the things that made me cry the most sure oh yes <laughs> all right yes, that's right We're is this in, or, in order mike to your menu it's, yes uh it is in no order it's not chronological or how much but uh clint losing his family uh tony and pepper being reunited when he comes back to earth meeting tony's daughter 
uh, when Ant-Man finds his family after being awoken, uh, Nat and Clint deciding who would sacrifice um, Cap and Peggy dancing, uh, when Tony and Pete come back together, and also when Tony dies, and the fact that Tony dies, uh, when Captain Marvel arrives to kind of like destroy that spaceship, when Gamora doesn't recognize Quill, I'm probably right. the only person in the world who was like bawling whilst it was meant <laughs> to be a joke, right? Because like that moment just like that hit me. Um, when Pepper arrives to save, like she, you know, she arrives in the Iron Man suit, it was amazing. Happy promising all the cheeseburgers in the world to Tony's oh, daughter. Yeah. That got oh. me. And when the Avengers all assemble, that is yeah. my list of the things. What about that cried what most. about when Hulk gives Scott two, two tacos? I didn't guess. <laughs> that that was me. a moment. It's so kind. Just give them two tacos. I I, I love you, it. You small. You are smaller than me. You will enjoy these tacos more. That's a family moment. Like you don't just give tacos to people. Like that's not how tacos it works. are loved. Tacos people. are tasty. And that was the mm-hmm. moment yeah. where Scott Lang truly became an Avenger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was then that he knew. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tony. Yeah. Oh, Talk me, yes. Tony, not Tony Stark. <laughs> Tony, uh, single yeah. f- feelings, thoughts. <laughs> so confusing. Hello. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, I think my expectations were like, this will be hopefully, uh, you know, fun, stupid superhero stuff going into it. But gosh, three hours is way too long for a movie. And my expectations were greatly exceeded. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I, I might go see it again in theaters, which is very unusual for me. I will definitely see it uh, in my home, um, where I'm allowed to pause movies occasionally. Mm. Um, but <laughs> But yeah, you know, I was I was engaged all the way through it. It just it does not make sense. There's so many characters in here, and there's so many things, and it, it builds off of you know 21 other movies worth of homework, and it just it does what does not seem possible in terms of kind of sticking the landing uh, that far exceeded my expectations. Uh, and even just you know, I I think I was the like, oh, it's two movies. That's going to be a cash grab. Oh, uh, actually, when you add them together, that's t- longer than two movies should be. And no, <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they did uh what they do next, but uh I feel like they have brought this this chapter to a a pretty good conclusion and uh, way way better than I would ever have expected. If you had given me a list of these movies back when the first Avengers movie was about to come out, I'd be like, "Oh boy. This is <laughs> this is not going to be great." But it it actually they did a great job. Um, and it's going to be the highest grossing movie of all time, I think. By the time you hear this, it may already be. It's just they keep on printing money out there. And that's, it, that's fine. I think it was $1.8 billion by time of recording. Yeah, it's, a, it's an yeah. Or, or enormous, enormous. Well, uh, that is the end of this episode of The Incomparable. We did not, not get to the runtime of the movie, but fear not, there will be another episode that will also talk about <laughs> Avengers Endgame with a completely different panel. So you can get more endgame coverage here in The Incomparable. But that is the end of this episode. So uh, one last time to thank all of my guests for being here. Erica Ensign, thank you. Podcasters, assemble. (laughs) James Thompson, thank you. Do you want to go to space, puppy? (laughs) Kelly Gamont, thank you. I'm bringing the party to you, Jason. Mike Hurley, thank you. I was not prepared for an end joke i used one as all i had all right but it was an honor to be here thank you i will leave now well then and tony sindelar thank you uh make love not war jason okay that's great and thanks to everybody out there for listening stupid stares to the incomparable <laughs> we will see you next time but uh in the meantime chip will be here soon with another episode thank you and uh, we'll be back with another regular episode next week mm-hmm.